0: Welcome to the Keeping It Israel podcast with Jeff Feuders, where Jeff and his guests talk everything Israel as it relates to Christian faith and the church. If you are a Christian and you stand with Israel, you will be encouraged and challenged by this podcast. And if you're not so sure about the whole Israel thing, you need to learn how your faith connects with Israel and why standing with Israel matters. Now here's Jeff with today's guest. Well, welcome
1: back to the podcast today, and it is hard to believe, but this is the last podcast in our series with uh, pastor and author Gene Binder from Boulder, Colorado. Gene, welcome back.
0: I, I agree. Six weeks goes by pretty fast, so thank you for having me back.
1: Oh, hey, it's our pleasure, and if you've uh, missed any of these podcasts, you're going to need to go back and listen to the last five, but we've been talking about Gene's book, Connecting the Dots, and uh, that's something that you're going to want to pick up because uh, in this podcast series, we scratched the surface of only five of the seven foreshadows that Gene talks about in the book. Gene, as we have done in the last number of weeks, could you just give us that quick sort of overview of the three episodes and the seven foreshadows so that everybody kind of re- is reminded about what we're talking about.
0: Sure. So if, if uh, you're tuning back, you recall that the, the book looks at history in the Bible as uh, one beautiful, seamless love story, not two stories. Not a Jewish story that became a Christian story, but one story from beginning to end, from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation, and it basically takes kind of a you know thirty thousand foot drone's eye view of that history, and specifically it looks at the role that the Jewish play throughout the entire story, and um, it looks at it uh, kind kind of like a trilogy. Not kind of, it it looks God's story plays out like a trilogy. in in three episodes. Uh, The first episode are prophetic pictures of the past, which we typically call the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, Those become uh, messianic fulfillments in the messianic era that we live in today that began when Jesus, Yeshua, showed up 2,000 years ago. But we have one more episode to go before this story concludes, and that is the story of new jerusalem uh, once the messiah returns establishes his eternal kingdom they all play out all there's seven foreshadows i'll go through them real quickly they all play out in this kind of tri-episode format and each one of them tells the story uh, the gospel story in a really unique way and uh if you're tuning in for the first time today you hit the right one because this one really nails it they all do but this one is, is particularly kind of in my mind the queen of the foreshadows um so they start out the first shadow starts out with a covenant that god makes to abraham and um and that that kind of that foreshadow kind of typifies uh, a marriage or at least a pledge to be married in the first episode it's an engagement that goes wrong israel cheats on God, um, multiple times. And it looks like the, the, the relationships over Jesus shows up in the second episode, restores, reconciles the relationship. But in the third episode, we, we don't, we, we finally get to the marriage, uh, the wedding feast of the lamb that read, read about in revelation chapter 21. Um, so if you think about that, if we start with a marriage, then usually what follows a marriage, um, are the kids and that's the nation of israel that's the second foreshadow that's the family Um, once you have a marriage and a family you need a place to live that's the promised land that's the family home Um, once you have a marriage and children and you have a place to live then uh, you need a good set of family rules and that's the the role of the torah uh, also called the law Um, so you have marriage kids place to live uh, a good set of healthy rules. Every smart dad knows to give his kids lots of access. That is the foreshadow of the temple. Starts out kind of weird. God's in the back room in a place called the holy, most holy place. But as we move through the, the other two episodes, it gets closer and closer until finally you can't get any closer to God. Um, and it, that's a beautiful foreshadow as well. Um, then we have the Sabbath, which are the weekly family times, but, but uh, we frame it in a way that it moves from, from a 24-hour uh, day of rest to, uh, and it's not really resting like jumping up on the couch and taking a nap. That's not what God did after he rested from creation. He's been managing his creation ever since. It's 24 hours to live differently, to live to serve the Lord, to be with your family and friends. In the second episode, that moves to um, 24-7, 365 days a year. Uh, resting, that we're ceasing from our own works. That's how we find salvation. Is we cannot work our way to God, we have to stop. And then finally, that third episode, um, there is, we're always going to be um, giving our time and energy to God and the family that he's trying to create here, which is the ultimate purpose of uh, this book is demonstrate God's plan to make uh, an eternal family. So today we come to the feasts and um I call this the family reunions, but I also kind of have a tag that it's it's all about going home. Um this is this is a foreshadow that, that actually talks about all of God's plan throughout the entire course of history to get us back home. We we're I don't know if you ever thought about it, but we are the not yet home people. Um we will one day, you know. Peter calls us aliens and strangers. Uh, some, us, some of us are more alien and strange than others, but I probably fit <laughs> in that category. You do too, Jeff. And uh, But someday uh, God's going to bring us home, and um, all of these seven foreshadows take us home. But this one particularly gets us home.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, this has been an amazing journey. And uh, of course, um, if you've, if you've read the book, like I have, uh, this is the one we've all been sort of waiting to get to, but uh, I know that you're going to enjoy this today. If you're watching, listening, um, it's interesting how that in the the Jewish society, the, the children of Israel um, that, that all of these family gatherings or, or uh, things that, that, God commanded them to do the feasts of the Lord. Um, the first, what, three or four of them, focus around kind of the agrarian uh, society that that the Jewish people um, were were a part of, and. You're going you're gonna to tell us uh, what this is all about, so I don't want to spoil anything that you're going to share. But um, we have seven of these to get through uh, today really kind of quickly. So I'm going to just let you lead us into uh, what this looks like and how these all foreshadow and get fulfilled in Messiah, Yeshua.
0: Sure, sure. And I think we, got, we have plenty of time to get through all of these. Um so no no panicking here. Okay. All right. I think we'll we'll get get to about the same amount of time. I would like to say, you know, this whole idea of not being home yet comes from from Father Abraham. I don't know if you know this or not, but he's called the first Hebrew. And the word Hebrew in Hebrew is Ivrit. And not, it's also the, the name for the language as well, the Hebrew language, Ivrit. But the word Hebrew, and he's he's called the first Hebrew, and we're also told um, that God came to him, and he came to him. I'm just trying to to in Joshua, Joshua kind of retells this story in Joshua 24:3. He says, "I took father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him through Canaan and gave him many descendants." And so he's talking about when God came to Abraham and made a promise to him, he told him to, to cross over or go beyond the Euphrates. The, um, it's, it's thought that, that, that Abraham's, the, the, the word Hebrew comes from Abraham's great-grandfather, ever. Um, and um, it's interesting because the word for beyond is ever, to the land beyond, or, or, the, or cross over the Euphrates and if you think about it to be a hebrew is to be a not yet home person it it's um like the word for fetus in the for an unborn in hebrew comes from this root word uh in soccer in 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 uh in the game of soccer when you get a penalty uh it's called and it means that you've crossed over a line so it has this crossover and you know Abraham crossed over the Euphrates and eventually into the Promised Land, but we are one day going to cross over into the Promised Land as well. And uh, I decided I'd say that because it it, it will mean something as we we talk about the feast that we are the not yet home people. Eventually, we're going to cross over that spiritual Jordan River, and uh, our feet will land in the Promised Land, the eternal uh, New Jerusalem. So, anyway, I like it.
1: I like it. Not, not to derail you, but, but uh, you know, when you say you say not yet, people, uh, it makes me think of, of uh,
0: not yet you know, home, people, not yet home, people,
1: not yet home, people. Okay, okay, not yet home, people. But it also makes me think of of Yeshua and and his words about the kingdom, and maybe that's going to become part of this. But uh, carry on.
0: It will. So. Um, these three episodes play. I'll, I'll, I'll just kind of give a spoiler about what the, in episode one, the prophetic picture of the, of the past, uh, we, it's, it's a gathering of the crops. These are all, you know, the feasts are like a mix of agrarian and spiritual observations, you know, and celebrations. It's kind of an odd mix, and it goes in and out of these two things. And so, but it's all about gathering. And in the first episode, it's about gathering the physical crops, the actual crops harvest crops, grain harvest crops. In the second episode, it turns into gathering souls. And in the final and complete uh, picture that we get in New Jerusalem, it's gathering the family, um, which, it, which is amazing. So in Leviticus 23, um, we see these feasts outlined, and it's God starts out in verse 4 saying, these are the Lord's appointed feasts, the sacred assemblies, you are to proclaim at their appointed times, and um, it gets—you know—it's interesting that word for feast. These are the Lord's appointed feasts to proclaim at their appointed times. It's the same Hebrew word, moedim, moedim, which 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 really um, best translates into appointed times. That there's something okay. mysterious about these things. They're, they're, they're timetables. They're appointed times, just like in Ecclesiastes, there's a, there's a time for everything and a season, for everything under activity, under the heavens. You know, these are appointed times. The seasons have appointed times. The stars have appointed times. It's, it's fascinating to look at what in this universe has appointed times. I mean, if there were no appointed times, you and I and everybody else on this planet wouldn't be alive. But we have this cycle that we go through. Um, and that's what, the, that's what uh, an agrarian cycle is all about. It, it is something that goes every year. And I'll talk about that in just a second. But one thing I want to point out is a lot of people say these are the Jewish feasts. And they're really not our feasts as Christians. Um, but this is what the text says. The text says these are the Lord's moedim. So they're gods. And I usually when I speak, I say, How many of you uh follow the Lord? <laughs> and of course it puts it in everyone in a box. I do. Okay. So these these are important to us. I think if God wanted them just us to just dial in that these were for the Jewish people only, he would have said so. But these are God's appointed times and and they're they're pretty amazing. So I think the first place to start is that the very first one begins in the spring, and that's Passover in in Hebrew. It's pronounced Pesach, Passover. Um, I mean, literally, the word Pesach means that when the Jews mark their doorposts from the angel of death coming for all the firstborn in Egypt, the angel of death would pass over their their homes. Uh, a lot of people think it's a you know it's it's a, a very much more complex word, but it's not. It just literally means Passover but but it's so important to talk about when God starts these and when he ends them and he starts them in spring and if you think about it you know you and I uh I don't know where where everyone else is living but we're we're in the middle of a pretty strong arctic weather front does it hit you where you're living yeah yes yeah I went to church last week, I left my house, it was minus six, which is really rare for Colorado. Um, and Can I
1: share? Can I share? To, this morning was the coldest, the coldest morning of the winter so far here where I live in uh, Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and uh, it was minus 18 Celsius. Uh, which is 18 below freezing in our in our degrees, so um, so it was chilly today, and yeah. we got about 10 inches of snow yesterday, or yeah. 20 centimeters. Which uh a little over twenty centimeters, so yeah, we're right in the middle of the vortex, and I mentioned to you when we first got on here that Jerusalem is getting snow today, so so we can identify with this winter uh this winter spring metaphor you're going to share with us right now,
0: the pointed seasons of the year mean something you know and and God uses that uh in the agrarian cycle, if you think about it, you know the 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 feasts end in the fall so so basically um. Once they're over and it repeats, we go into winter, which is where we're at. We're in the dead of winter right now. What does winter remind us of? It reminds us of things are dormant and, and dying. And in, in you know not so much in our culture, actually not at all in our culture, but still in a lot of cultures today and for sure in the cultures back in ancient times, Winter was a scary time because you never knew if you had enough supplies to make it through the winter. And so it's like, are we going to make it? You know, do do we do we do do we get enough stored away? It's running down. How long? You know, when's this going to break? Type of thing. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, spring comes on the scene. And you know, grain starts popping out of the ground. Um animals start having their foes, their 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 babies, their yearlings. Um and it's like it's hope, right? There's hope now. Mm-hmm. We're yeah, gonna right. be
1: okay. Right.
0: We're gonna be okay. Well, this is how this is the season that God chose to bring the Messiah to the cross with a statement that we're gonna be okay, right? That's what, that's what Passover is. Passover falls, you know, typically um, late March to, to the middle of April on our calendar, but it's in the month of Nisan. So Exodus 12, two, uh, God says to Hebrew, the month Nisan is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. He told that to Moses. Now we we have our first month in January, and sadly, uh, most Jews today celebrate their first month in September on Rosh Hashanah. Right, Rosh Hashanah, head of head of the um, of the year. But that's not that 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 is not a, a feast that God gave to the to the Jewish people or gave to us. That came later on in the Babylonian exile. The biblical new year is is the month of Nisan, where Passover falls. That's the first of the year. So if you think about chronologically, how does the years work? It it goes from spring to winter. Mm -hmm. And then winter begins to dissolve, and spring comes, and then we have Passover. So what is Passover? Passover, I'm just going to talk real quickly about what they mean in the Jewish world, and then we'll talk about how they got fulfilled, okay? So Passover or Pesach is a, is a um, commemoration of God delivering the Jewish people out of slavery from Egypt. And if your listeners are not aware, um, God comes to Moses. Moses was, was living in Pharaoh's household. He ends up killing an Egyptian, and he flees for his life— and uh, some 40 years later, he has an encounter with God with the burning bush. And God says, hey, Moses, if I got a job for you, you're going to go back and you're going to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And, there, you know, there's a whole great story for that alone that we could spend a long time talking about. But Moses goes and, uh, you know, it's not easy. It takes 10 plagues. And but in the last plague where the angel of death comes and takes every firstborn, every firstborn. Right. It wasn't just Egyptian firstborn. It was every firstborn in the land. Uh, the only way that the Jewish people could be protected is if they took an unblemished lamb, slit its throat, took its blood and marked the tops and the sides of the doorposts of their house. And if they did, the angel death would pass over them. If they didn't. It wouldn't. And um, I can I can. You know, it doesn't say so, but I can imagine that some people didn't. Um, And if they didn't, then they would have the same consequences that happened to the Egyptians or anybody else living in the land for that matter. So that's Passover. That's really a one day feast on the 14th of Nisan. The next day is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That's the second feast that lasts for seven days. And um, we call that Hag HaMozat or the... um, it's where we get the word matzah from—the holiday of mm-hmm. the matzah—and um, it's it's incredible. I don't know. I don't know if you've ever been in Israel, Jeff. The week before Passover, but you know the Jews are commanded to get rid of all forms of leaven in their home. And you'd be surprised what has leaven in it. It's not just bread or muffins. It's in soy sauce. It's in it's in all kinds of things and. And the Jewish people take this really seriously. I had a group once, and we had to leave the hotel because that was the day they were going to go through and get rid of all the leaven. Uh, a lot of Jewish people, if you're a person of means, you'll actually go stay in a hotel after they've removed it because you just don't want to hassle doing it in your own home. It's, it's quite rigorous to do this. You know, you got to pull all your, your sofa cushions up, your, your, your mattress. Um, you know, vacuum the floors. It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, but it's really important. And I, I just want to underscore how important it is to get rid of that leaven. Okay. That'll make sense in a little bit. Maybe some people are already thinking ahead. Um, that takes seven days to what's called uh, early first fruits. Yom uh, Habikurim, early first fruits and we're not really told. You can read about all these in Leviticus 23. We're not really told. Um, there's not a date on the calendar for this. The date to celebrate this is the day after the Sabbath that falls during the Feast of Unleavened Bread or during Passover. Today, we just we melt you know, Passover and Unleavened Bread together and just call it all Passover. But um, and so. If if you're thinking you know it's a seven day feast, um, the Sabbath falls on what day? Saturday. Saturday. On our calendar, on Saturday there is no Saturday. Um, yeah, Shabbat. They call it Shabbat. Yeah, all the other days have numbers, like day one, day two, day three. Um, so if it's the day after Shabbat. What day of the week would we celebrate it in Israel? We, they'd call it the first day, day one, but we call it Sunday. 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 So it, so here's what's commanded. The Jewish farmers were to take the first sprigs out of the ground, probably barley at that time of year. Uh, wheat comes a little bit later. Take, take the first sprig of barley out of the ground. So it's just going to be a little tiny thing, right? Bring it to the temple give it to the high priest and he's going to make a wave offering. And it doesn't say this, but the idea behind the wave offering is this. If God is faithful to bring these first sprigs out of the ground, he will be faithful to bring the rest of the harvest later on. You could see how that'd be a blessing to a farmer, right? That's kind of a mm-hmm. promise that the rest of the harvest will come. And so from that on then you start counting 50 days it's called the counting of the omer 50 days and um and there's a prayer that's said every day and then you end it with with yom achad which would be day one and then the prayer next day yom shani and you'd go Day two, and it's like it's like a count. It's a count up, but it's basically a count down. You're counting to something. What are you counting to? You're counting to the fourth uh, feast, which is in Hebrew Shavuot. Um, If you're if you're a Christian and you read your Bible a lot, then you, you you'd find this feast in Acts chapter two, where the disciples are in the upper room and it's called pentecost which means it's greek for 50 but we're counting off 50 days Mm -hmm. and it's like a countdown so you know day one day two day three day 45 day 46 day 48 day 49 boom day 50 what does it celebrate the beginning of the grain harvest um you know by that time the sprigs are mature it's time to start the harvest You know, it's not going to be exact because, you know, you can't control the harvest that much. But there's a day to celebrate this today. It gets lost in its observance because today uh, the Jewish people celebrate it as the giving of the Torah. Um, It's thought that the Jews took 50 days to get to Mount Sinai, but there's nothing in scripture. The scriptures talk about it being a grain celebration. And there's specific verses for that. So now we have, so those, those are the four, what we call the, the, um, the spring feasts. And then you have a break. There's no feast during summer. Why? Because it's harvest time, right? I mean, you, you have a, a, a short window of time to get that harvest in. If you miss it, you're not going to get your food. And so there's, there's no harvest. Um, during the summertime until the end, until we get to the, to the fall. And then the very first one is called the Feast of Trumpets, or Yom Teruah, which literally means uh, the day of blowing, blasting. And the commands are just to blast different kinds of horn sounds all day long. Um, what is it celebrating? It's celebrating the end of the grain harvest, There'll be some more harvest. There'll be figs and things like that, apples, things like that still coming. But the grain harvest is over. Now, you'd think, hallelujah, (laughs) we've just come through this incredible time. You know, the Lord was faithful. The rest of the harvest came, just like the high priest promised. It's time to celebrate. But it's not. Yom Teruah starts the most solemn days, 10 days Called the days of a, the most solemn days in the life of a jew because we start praying that god this is the day that god opens up the book of life and decides whose name is going to get in it for the next year mm-hmm. and so yeah. it's it, it, there is no celebrating it's actually a lot of pleading and praying and you do that for 10 days leading up to the most solemn of all the feasts which is Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, where, you know, in Israel, it goes dark. I mean, if you, if you walk around, and actually, they instead of just one day, it's a, it's a Sabbath for two days. And, and trust me, if you're walking around making noise, you are, it's not going to go well for you. It is so solemn and so sacred. And uh, here, in, here in the States, you know, it's, it's, it's the biggest holiday that Jews... Go out to attend. It's even bigger than Passover. Most most synagogues rent churches or larger auditoriums because they're because they swell too much. They can't keep that many people. And you're praying. It's a day of prayer. Now it used to be. we talked about this in a previous um, um, podcast. It used to be when the temple was around that the, the Jewish people would 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 bring a a bull or a goat and give it to the high priest high priest would slash his throat and go into the holy of holies the most holy place sprinkle the blood on the on the mercy seat of god and if you survived the experience he'd come out and it was a, it was an atonement a national day of atonement that people would give a collective sigh we're good for a year
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's the day of atonement yom kippur and then finally that leads to the to the Seventh Feast, the final one, which is the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacle in Hebrew, it's Sukkot, where God commands the Jewish people to build these booths. And you'd have typically three walls. The ceiling had to be it it could be completely open or you could have like lattice or something on it. You had to be able to see the stars because you're looking to the heavens. Mm -hmm. And the command was, you know, for seven days. Live in this booth, eat, invite friends. Um, it's a celebration. This is this is the celebration. And decorate the walls with the bounty of the harvest. All right. So that is that's kind of a brief pattern uh without going into you know how how we celebrate it. By the way, if you're gonna go to Israel and you wanna be there for one of the feasts, sukkot is the best one to be at. All the restaurants put out sukkah, a sukah. Um, Sukkot is just plural for booths. Sukkah is, is singular booth. Um, most people live in apartments, they have balconies, they put a sukkah on there. It's just quite festive and you're, you know, you're going to be able to either eat in a sukkah at a restaurant or somebody's home. They, it's, it's a time to purposely invite people to come eat with you. That's the time to go.
1: And, and Feast of Tabernacles or, or Sukkot is how long? It's also a week long, right?
0: Seven days. Seven, Seven days. days. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that. Um, I'm not sure if we did talk about it, but yeah. It's, it's, it's that story in, in John where Jesus says, I'm the, the, if anyone's thirsty, come to me, and out of him will flow streams or rivers. Well, he says, he starts off that by saying, in the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus yes. said, if you're thirsty. Well, the last and greatest day of the feast is the last day of Sukkot, it's a special holiday. It's called Hoshiana Rabbah, Hosanna uh, Rabbah means great. So it's basically it's the great save me now. Um, so we can't get into that one because that's that's going a little off course. But that's knowing the context of that story is amazing. If you just somebody wants to Google that story and particularly type in the word Messianic and see what that last and greatest feast was, you'll be blown away by it. So much detail that God gives us if we have the context. Right,
1: it is so let's, amazing.
0: Let's go uh, I'll, let you,
1: I'll let you go there in one second. I, I just want to say that you have you kind of whet my appetite for being in Israel over, over Sukkot. Oh. Uh, I've, I've been for, for Pesach, and that's a very unique experience all its own, but, uh, but never for Sukkot. So on my bucket yeah.
0: list. Yeah, Pesach or Passover is a great time to be there. all the great breads and pastries disappear.
1: (laughs) I know, I know. And it all comes out
0: for Sukkot. Uh,
1: Remember I told you my my, uh, sabbatical story and my first Shabbat? Well, I was there over Pesach at that same time. And uh, you can't, during those seven days, it's hard to get Anything uh, bread-like that tastes any good <laughs> in in no, Jerusalem, I, for sure. I
0: think it's changed. I haven't been in Passover in several years because gluten-free is now a big deal in Israel. Back then, they had one little something that just tasted—I mean, it tasted worse than cardboard. Um, yeah, if yeah. It, if you wanted, anyway, to something like that. Yeah, but we digress.
1: Yes, we do digress and here's what we're going to do. The conversation with Gene today went on so long that we thought it would be better for us to really put this into two podcasts and so today you get the overview of the feasts. Next week we're going to talk about how Jesus fulfills all of these and how this incredible foreshadow of the feasts is one of the most amazing things in scripture as we look forward Uh, to the future and understand all that Jesus has done for us and all that he has fulfilled through these amazing appointed times or feasts of the Lord. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Gene today. Thanks for joining us for the podcast. And listen, don't forget to go get Gene's book. That is boldjourney.com slash books, boldjourney.com slash books, plural. And uh, you're going to want to pick that up because we really have just been scratching the surface I've said this a number of times, but you really are going to want to read the book. And I know that uh, you'll get the best deal there at Gene's site. You can also get a Kindle version on Amazon, and we encourage you to check that out. Listen, last thing, we are a ministry. We're a charity who helps ministries in the land of Israel. We are so grateful for so many who have leaned in and helped us and have supported and uh, really enabled us, equipped us to be able to equip ministries in Israel that we have vetted, that we trust, that are doing good work there in the land of Israel, humanitarian aid and outreach and so many other things. And so we just would uh, appreciate it if you would think about supporting the ministry. If you enjoy this podcast, if you like our YouTube content, if you watch our show, um, or if you love Israel, just uh, go to our website, firstcenturyfoundations.com slash donate firstcenturyfoundations.com forward slash donate and you can make a donation there and be receipted for your giving both in Canada and the United States. Thank you so much for listening today. God bless you and remember, as Christians, we stand with Israel.